This is the season of You Talk Show, where putting yourself first is always in season. Life is bound to suck at times, and that is why I made this space where you can learn tips and tricks to navigate the suck. In this space, we honor and grow through seasons of singleness, seasons of sadness, seasons of celebration, seasons of hope, and also seasons of nope. So go ahead, crack open a silt with your new BFF and life coach, Megan herself, me, and let's dive into today's show. Welcome to today's episode of the season of You Talk Show. I wanted to take this time to give you some insight into my real dark and twisty times. I think that this is really important because oftentimes we are going through it and we are so alone. We have no clue that so many other people are going through exactly what we are going through in one way or another. So I wanted to take this time to just explain to you kind of how I started to get over my anxiety and how I started to heal my mind and my body and my life. Really, I had to rewire my brain for how I viewed the world because when I started, I was afraid to go outside. I was afraid to leave my house. I was afraid to do anything besides go to work. I was afraid to leave my apartment. I did not leave. I sat on the couch sideways, vertical. One time an earthquake came and it knocked me off the fucking couch and I'm really not shocked I was there, okay? And so I was in such a dark place and I thought crying every day was normal and I really had no idea why I was in so much pain. Oh man, what it came down to was I was not processing my emotions. I was just holding them all in and then I would explode. I'd hold them all in and then I'd explode. And so let me just set the scene for you. I had just moved to California after moving from Las Vegas, after just separating from my boyfriend who we'd been together for about four years, I think. Um, But we were together from when I was 21 to 25. And so yeah, 20 to 24. I don't know. Um, we were together for, you know, a parts of my life where I was just finding out who I was. And the one thing that I truly wish I never did is just allow someone else to color my world. And he was eight years older than I was. And so he just had a, his views on life were already so much more established than mine. But at that time, I was like, that's what I want. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I want. You know it, boo. Keep going. I, I got that's right. And it's not really, though. I didn't want that. But now I know that. But then I didn't. Then I was just like, oh, <laughs> this is great. Oh, my God. It's so great. He knows exactly what he's doing. He can give me some great advice. And so I just got out of that relationship. And when I had, when I was about to move to California, I was afraid to go to the apartment gym. I was afraid to walk outside. I was afraid. Now, what do I think this is from? 
Um, I think it was from just constant failure, if we want to be completely honest. I was just failing over and over and over and over. And I was running away from everything. I was running away from my problems. I was running away from reality. I was running away from my life. And I was doing it with this person. Like, we were both running. And... Like nothing criminal, obviously. It was more just emotional. We were just running from our emotional baggage and just kept trying to start on a new foot, trying to start something new, trying to do this, trying to find new relationships, and we kept failing. And then you add that to a failing relationship where I would just be, you know, in the kitchen, like with no pants on, and he'd come home and he would just wouldn't even look at me. And I was like, sweet. Awesome. Now I feel like a failure and fucking ugly. And I will never forget those moments, like ever, as, as, lo- as long as I walk the face of the earth, the feeling of rejection deep beaded into you, beaten, not beaded, <laughs> deep beaten into you in, com- in conjunction with just running from your problems, it was crippling. Just honestly, though, the rejection was rough. Whew. The rejection, the failure, the running. I was exhausted. I was scared and I was afraid of the world, which is so ironic because I was traveling the world to run away from the world. Make it make sense. Okay. I, I don't know. So I moved to California. All of those things. I've just been rejected so many times. I felt unloved. I had no friends. I had a great job in a great company in a place that I've always wanted to work. So that truly was my saving grace here. Okay. Um, And they're still great today. I love them. Thank you for employing me. I truly am so grateful. Um, You guys saved me in a way that I don't think you even know. And then I had no friends. I couldn't afford anything because I had asked for enough money literally to survive in California because I don't know if anybody's familiar with California. I lived in a one bedroom apartment in 2018, 2018, and it was $2,200 a month for a one bedroom apartment. And I literally asked for enough money to literally pay for my necessities. And so um, in retrospect, I should have asked for more, but I didn't, I didn't know. I, it was a lot of money to me at the time. And I was just like, that's crazy. That's scary. Okay. Um, and I think that's just a part of growing in your career, I guess, is like, you have to believe you're worth the money. And I, at the time, I really didn't think that. Now I'm like, I'm worth it. So um, I moved to California, have this job. I go to work there. And now I'm there for like 15, 16 hours a day. I'm salaried, so it really doesn't matter how much I'm there. But I had nothing else to do, and there was free food. So I was literally there for 15, 16 hours a day because there was free food, free iced coffee, free LaCroix, and free internet, and free air conditioning, and free everything. And I was there. Okay. And so I was there over and over and over. And I had made some friends, but I was like, standoffish because a I don't know how to have any friends because I was just in a relationship where I completely isolated myself I literally took myself from society threw myself in a basement and isolated myself to the utmost level of isolation he didn't have any friends before I met him I didn't have any friends after it was hard it was so hard and if you are in a place of isolation right now reach out to someone. 
reach out to someone you haven't talked to because I'm going to tell you every single person I've talked to since um, kind of coming on my comeback tour here on the podcast and just bringing people who used to be into my life into my life again, they all say, yeah, I, I watched you disappear, but I thought you were so happy. So I didn't reach out. I didn't say anything. Reach out to someone you love if they have isolated themselves. And if you are the one being isolated, reach out to someone. They're waiting to hear from you. They just think your life is great. Get other people in your life. Because when I was isolating myself, I thought that this one sole human was supposed to give me all of the love I needed. I didn't need love from anyone else. I didn't need friends. I didn't need any lovers. I didn't need anything. It was just him. He was responsible for everything. Now, and then in return, I was also responsible for everything on his end because he didn't have any friends either. And so that is not a good model. I'm, I'm just here to say it will break. You need girlfriends. You need dude friends. You need work friends. You need going out friends. You need dog mom friends. You need mom friends. You need all of these different dynamics because when you evolve as a human, you need to make sure that you're like a palm tree and you will bend with the storm. And if you just have one person, that's like a stick, okay? They can only bend so much before they break. But if you have a whole community of people from all different walks of your life who support you, you're always going to have someone to lean on when the wind comes. And so if you are isolated right now, please, 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 please. Fight hard to get out of the isolation because your whole world has to start again and it's going to take time. So let's start that process now. Let's not waste any more time. Let's move forward. Okay. Okay. We got that. We're on the same page. Sweet. Okay. So I was isolated. I had no friends. So making new friends was hard. I was like at work and people were like, oh my God, you're so cool. And maybe they said that and maybe they didn't. But they, they thought I was funny because by default of being a fat child, you are funny because that's the only reason why people like you. And so I've kept that trait forever. And I just worked really hard and I had lots of great ideas and I just worked my face off. And so I found a few friends and we'd like go out to lunch, but I couldn't buy lunch because I didn't have any money. So, I mean, like literally I was barely making it like barely, but you know, I was quote unquote living my dream from five years ago. So like I just shut up and ate it and I'm really grateful I did because I learned so much about myself. So we'd go out and they'd buy food and I'd be like, oh, thank you. I'm all set. I, I ate. <laughs> um, and then they'd invite me out for coffee, but I couldn't afford a $7 lavender latte. I, I just couldn't afford it. I literally remember wanting to try a medicine ball so bad from Starbucks that I, I had to like search my, my travel backpacks for money. So I would go buy it because I, I knew in my budget, I really didn't have room for it. And I'm very proud of myself for that. I'm so proud of myself for making it work and being so strict and knowing that the most important thing here was being here. And that's all that mattered because in that moment I needed to be, I needed to go through the darkness that was about to happen. And so every day getting to work was hard. Every day driving home was hard. Every day was hard. I would go home. I would cry in the car on the way home. I would cry at home and I would cry myself to sleep. And I was just overwhelmed. 
And so if you are there and every single day you are overwhelmed, you don't know where to look, you don't know where to go, you don't know who to turn to, you don't have anyone, you are alone as fuck, let me tell you, I get it. I get it in more ways than I would like to admit, okay? Now, I just am so grateful for the people who just kept reaching out to me at work and like kept making sure I was okay and like invited me to game nights and asked to come find a dog with me. There's this one friend I have, her name is Caroline and she helped me go pick out Cove. And I'm so grateful. Like she went to all these different animal shelters with me and in return, I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve friendship because I didn't know how to give friendship. But looking back, it makes me realize that it makes me realize now how much friendship I need to give to people who don't have any or don't know how. Because those people who constantly reached out probably saved my life. Probably saved my life. It just really puts a lot of shit into perspective, you know? So I would just go home. I'd cry. I'd cry on the way home. I would listen to (laughs) the same songs over and over and over. And then finally I had met this person who I'd met on in at, at an event online. I reconnected and we started chatting and he's a very pragmatic human. And I appreciate that because my entire world was driven by a semi of emotions. There was no like little Ford Fiesta of emotions. It was a semi truck. My emotions controlled every decision I made. And you could tell in my body, I was just holding so much water everywhere. I was so bloated and puffy and my adrenal glands were firing and firing and firing and my cortisol was just going and going and going and going and my cortisol was through the fucking roof because I was a semi-truck of emotions. When those things started rolling, there was no stopping. And I didn't know there was another option. I had been going to therapy for a really long time. I stopped during this period of seeing Matt, except one time when I called her. I'll literally never forget. I was like, yo, I need you. Like, I literally need you. And I don't know if she remembers this, but it was totally like off the like off the book situation because I wasn't like seeing her officially. She was in she was in CVS. (laughs) I don't know why I remember this. And she looked at me. Well, she didn't look at me. She asked me over the phone. And I remember exactly where I was sitting in our Las Vegas apartment. And I remember exactly what he was wearing and exactly what he was doing. And through the phone, she she says to me, are you going to marry him? And I look at him. And he's loading the dishwasher in a wife beater. And like basketball shorts. Gym shorts. And I said, no. And it was that moment. And I said, what the fuck am I doing now? It wasn't because I didn't want to marry him previously. I asked this motherfucker to marry me so many times. I begged and pleaded and begged and pleaded for him to marry me because I thought that's what I needed. I thought that's what I wanted. I thought that was the next logical step. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I the one thing I am so grateful this guy did is that he said, no, I cannot even imagine what my life would be like if he said yes. So if you're watching, if you're listening, you're not because you don't have the emotional space for me. That's okay. Thank you. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because my life has never been better now. And if it was stuck in a time capsule like it was then, I'd be fucked. (laughs) And if you are in that situation where you're in a space where you're with someone who's just continuously rejected you over and over, he's rejected your body, your kindness, your, your love, it's not for you. Stop trying to put a piece of the puzzle in a piece of the puzzle that doesn't exist. It, it doesn't go there. Your, your puzzle is somewhere else. Your puzzle is actually you. <laughs> um, once you fill yourself in and you start to put your pieces together, everything else makes sense. And so um, he said no to marrying me. And then um, in California, I was just so sad. I can't even like come to words. So my pragmatic friend was like, Megan, you know, you don't have to live like this. And I said, what? Yo, crazy. Yes, I do. I was like, you might be even keel, but I'm fucking a topsy turvy upside down, fucked up sideways. Okay. And he's like, no, Megan, you don't. You don't need to live like this. And I am a woman of patterns. Okay. I love to identify patterns. I love to analyze situations and people and things and see what's changed and see what's changed since um, this time to this time. I just love it. And I love to notice patterns in myself. Now, this part is tricky. So if you are in a situation where you are not happy, you are sad all the time, I want you to start to notice what you do before situations of anxiety happen. And so for me, it was getting called to my boss's office. Now, this was happening weekly because we had weekly one-on-ones. But every single time, I thought that I was getting fired. Every single time. Oh, Megan. Oh, God. And so I'd call him and I'd be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm meeting with my boss. I'm going to get fired. He was like, Megan, you're not. You're not. You are 100% not why? I was like, but I'm so nervous. I'm so anxious. He's like, you don't have to be. He's like, but take this feeling. And when you leave, let me know if it, if it helped. And so I'd go into the meeting and I'd be like, oh, all jittery. Uh, probably partly because there was cold brew on tap. And I just had probably way too many cold brews and car- silk, silk caramel creamer. Oh my God. It was my favorite. Oh, I drank the fuck out of that cold brew machine. Oh, I think they should send us all into our house. And so I, I'd go in and I'd leave and I'm like, wow, that was great. And I was like, all of that anxiety was for nothing. And then I'd think this thing and be like a situation would happen. Like, oh my God, oh my God, the worst thing's going to happen. And nothing happened. And this happened multiple times a day. So you can only imagine like revving up my engine and going nowhere, revving up my engine and going nowhere. And finally, I was like, okay, this clearly ain't it. Okay, this, this clearly is not the move for me. Um, but it took, I w- I'm going to say hundreds of times of me revving up my engine and going nowhere for me to realize, hey, I don't think this is working. And so I don't want you to think it was like an overnight decision where I was like, ha ha, and you're right. I don't have anxiety anymore. But it was noticing the pattern of revving up my engine, letting my emotional semi truck bulldoze everything, which is not what it needed to be. My logical brain was turned off. 
I have not used my logical brain for decision making probably since I was five. I'm literally not joking. I think once people gave me insecurities about myself, everything I did was driven by emotion. So for 20 years, I've been using my emotional brain at this point and not my logical brain. And so it's been on vacation. And that bitch is, she's, she was off. She was in Fiji living her best life. And I had to say, please book a flight home because you're going to be um, needed for the rest of my life. Thank you. <laughs> she was pissed, but she came back and I had to slowly start using my logical brain. And what I've noticed is my logical brain cancels out all anxiety. And because here's the thing, my emotions overwhelm me. They flood my body like a tsunami. And my logical brain sounds like a little pin drop where my emotions are. So it's a lot harder because I haven't used my my logical brain as much. And I, I know people might not understand, like, what is the difference between emotional brain and logical brain? So my emotional brain is just like my emotions running my life. So there's no logic to the decisions like me thinking my roof is going to blow off in a windstorm. I really think that, guys. I, I know it's not. But for a real long time, I was very worried that my roof was going to fly off. Or it's that you're going to run out of gas when you really have so many gas stations all around you. I remember I was 16, just learning how to drive, and I was sitting in therapy. And I looked at Tammy and I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, I'm going to run out of gas. I was like, once I get to under half a tank, I freak out and panic. And she goes, Megan, I want you to count the gas stations between a half a tank to zero, zero gallons left, and tell me how many you see. And so once I got to like 20, I was like, all right, the, she's right. She's right. Okay, cool. And I never worried about it again because adding in that piece of the logical changed my entire perspective on the situation. So if you are run by emotions, I want you to try to invite your logical brain home from her vacation in Fiji and tell her she's going to have to put her work boots on because we're going to need her a little bit more around here. So when you enter a situation and you are flooded with anxiety, I want you to point out three facts. Think about a lot because I'm 27, single, and about to buy a house by myself, and I have no significant other in sight. So this is one that I do often just because um, I personally sometimes get inside my own head. And so if I have anxiety that I'm going to be alone forever, <laughs> I'm going to be forever alone. Sweet. Okay. So what I do is, can I financially support myself? Yes. Do I emotionally love myself? Yes. Do I feel fulfilled? Yes. Then that fear of being alone is no longer relevant because I'm not needing anything from anyone else. And the root cause of so much of my anxiety was needing to get acceptance from other people. Once I realized that the acceptance that I was seeking was not needed from anyone, my whole life changed. Because the only person who needed acceptance from was myself. But I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know it was an option. I didn't know my own self-acceptance would be so powerful. But here we are, 
and it changed my fucking life. So if you are searching everywhere for the answers of why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? Why am I so miserable? Why am I debilitated with anxiety? Look inside yourself and say, do I truly show up for myself? Do I truly love myself? Am I who I want to be? If the answer is no, work towards those things. Now, the last thing I want to give here about the biggest change I had in my dark and twisties, um, shout out to Grey's Anatomy for being for that line, dark and twisty, um, is I had to separate myself from anxiety. Now, I know if you've listened to other episodes of my podcast, you've definitely heard me say when I have anxiety and then I say, oh, nope when I had crippling anxiety and I separate myself because for so long I thought anxiety was like having blue eyes. I thought it was just something I had when I popped out the womb. And while I was genetically predisposed to both anxiety and depression, it is not something I need to hold close to me as a label. I don't need it. It ain't me. I am not it. Okay. So that to me, separating myself from anxiety. And I used to have this friend and she used to say, well, we just have anxiety. And I had to be like, bitch, you might, I don't, (laughs) I don't have anxiety because I had to separate myself so far from thinking it was integrated with me because in my mind, I truly thought this was something I was stuck with forever. And it's not, you don't need to have it. It does not need to be you. It's not written in your DNA. What it's written in is you either choosing your logical brain or your emotional brain. So I hope that this kind of gives you some insight into kind of where I was at mentally and the beginning steps I took to kind of dig myself out of darkness. Ooh, where that's going to be the title of the show, Dig Yourself Out of Darkness. Those are the steps I took. It wasn't pretty. I cried a lot. I did a lot of dumb shit. I was so alone. Thank you to everyone who left me. Thank you to the job who saw me and continued to support me and really just championed me through a lot of it because without that, I would have really been fucked. So that's how I started to dig through darkness. If you are in darkness right now, I see you. I am with you. I'm here. I understand your darkness might be a different shade, but I understand what it's like to be alone and isolated and so empty. And that's really how I used to refer to myself all the time is just empty. I was empty and which is so crazy because I'm so full. I'm so full of life. I'm so full of happiness. I'm so full of excitement. I'm so full of goals. I'm so full of ideas. I'm so full of everything, sometimes even myself. And at those times, I was just empty and it wasn't me. And one last thing from, I was watching this Tony Robbins um, challenge this week. And he said, when you get stuck, it's because you're not using every part of you. He's like, so when you're stuck in life and you just can't seem to push forward, it's because only a part of you is showing up. All of you needs to show up in order for you to find happiness, to be successful, to make a change. So show up in every form of you. We're all waiting. And most importantly, you are waiting for yourself to show up.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode and allowing me a safe space to share my darkness with you. And I hope that this allows you to see there is light. There is so much light and there's so much hope for you in the future and for you to live a life that you never imagined. The life that you imagined when you were young might be cool and it might work for some people, but the life you're destined for probably looks a little bit different. And let me tell you, this different life I'm living right now is better than any version I've ever imagined. But for now, I will catch you on the next episode. Slide into my DMs. They're open like a 24-hour cafe at Megan herself on the gram. But for now, Megan herself.